Wasn't that video a great reminder that so often we feel like our mundane responsibilities are normal, but to our children, they are magic. I remember thinking, am I ever going to change the world when all I do is pick up Cheerios and Matchbox cars? But moms, we are changing the world because we are raising world changers. So happy Mother's Day. Speaking of Mother's Day, I'm delighted to be able to bring a message to you today. Now, gentlemen, before you pop that footrest up on your recliner, I want you to listen in because this message is for you too. In fact, I believe that the Lord has a message for each and every one of us, a very practical message and a word for today. Now, the last time we all gathered together was uh, Sunday, March 8th. I had been scheduled to speak the closing message of my husband's series, Love Where You Live. The goal of that series was for us to recognize that God wants us to love where we live so that he can use us right where he has planted us. My goal for that closing message entitled Speak Life was to help us recognize the value of speaking life in our homes. We looked at Proverbs 8.21 that says, Our words are either fruit or poison, life or death. You choose. We all have the choice to speak life right where God has planted us, but it needs to start in our homes. You see, when we're speaking life in our homes, then it has a ripple effect to our workplace, our church, and our communities. Little did we know the opportunity we would have to practice speaking life in our homes. For two months, we have been practicing speaking life into our marriages and our children's and our children and our relationship within our homes. We really have learned to love where we live. At least I hope so for you. If you missed that sermon series, you can go to saginawfirst.church and click on the sermons tab. And be sure to listen to that sermon series. I think it will be challenging and encouraging for you. But as I began to prepare for today's message, I had to ask myself a few questions. The first question I asked was, is this really the right time for this message? But after looking back at the two sermon series, Love Where You Live and Where Is the Church, I realized that the message the Lord had put on my heart for today was absolutely a perfect extension of those two messages. I believe he's wanting us to prepare our hearts for coming out of this quarantine. And God's timing is always perfect. Church, we have been given an opportunity like never before to reset. To reset our lives, our schedules, and our habits. We have been given an opportunity to reset and begin to love like Jesus loved, right where he has planted us. So on March 8th, I gave you a message entitled, Speak Life. But today, the title of my message is, Speak More Life. I know it's not very creative, but I believe that if we hear the word of the Lord today and apply it, we are going to have an opportunity like never before to speak more life, not only in our homes, but in our workplaces, our church, and our community, right where he has planted us. The key verse I want to bring to you today comes out of Romans chapter 12. Paul writes in verses 9 through 13, Love must be sincere. 
Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. My mom loved to entertain. In fact, when I was a young girl on Sunday nights, it was not uncommon for my parents to get together with friends after church for food and fellowship. I would love when they would go to someone else's house because my sister would let me stay up late and we would watch the Sunny and Cher show and eat ginger snaps and milk. But on the Sunday nights where my mom was hosting, it was not uncommon to hear my mom say, girls, come on down and help me set the table. We'd run downstairs and we would help my mom put out all of her pretty dishes and serving trays and we would get ready to have company for dinner. We'd go to church on Sunday night and I'd be all excited that people were coming over. And my friend Rhonda and I always sat in front of our moms. We'd, for some reason, start writing notes and get the giggles and we'd be passing notes. And I had long hair back then and inevitably it would get pulled. On the way home from church, I was just waiting for my punishment and I'd walk into the kitchen and my mom would hand me a tray of food and say, take this and get out there and smile. It was so awkward. Eventually, I learned how to laugh without my whole body shaking. But I have to ask this question. Is entertaining the same as hospitality? Sure, getting together with friends for food and fellowship after church is one of the sweetest blessings in the church. But is it hospitality? We all have a preconceived idea of what hospitality is, and more so, what hospitality requires of us. Today, I want us to set aside our preconceived ideas of what hospitality is and take a look at what the Bible has to say about hospitality. Now, why would the Lord give me a message to bring to our church today about hospitality when Saginaw First is known for being so friendly? It is not uncommon for Pastor and I to get together with evangelists or guest speakers or even visitors to our church. And the first thing they say is, your people are so friendly. So why today? Well, before I answer that question, I want to take a brief moment to share a message with you from my heart. I want to say thank you, church, for your prayers for our family, especially in the month of March. I know my husband has had an opportunity to say thank you to, do, to you, but I wanted to say thank you. You see, when we were walking through that time, my heart as a wife was very heavy. We had a lot of unanswered questions. My husband was in isolation, and I was in isolation at home, quite sick myself. As a mom, my heart was heavy. We have two soldiers on the front lines serving as nurses in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. And as a pastor's wife, my shepherd heart was heavy. I know that many of you were scared, concerned about your job, jobs and finances, you were worried about your businesses, family members were sick, and some of you even lost family members, and you have not been able to grieve properly during this pandemic. This has been a very challenging time for each of us in many different ways, and our hearts are heavy. Isolation is an awful place to be because we were created for connection. 
So, in that spirit, why hospitality? Why now? Well, thankfully, this soon will pass. Soon this will be over, and we will be able to gather together as a church body. Another thing people often tell us when they meet us is, wow, your greeting time at your church seems a little bit longer than most places. Well, that's because we love each other. And can you imagine what our greeting time is going to be like when we can finally come together and worship as a body all together? <laughs> it's going to blow our minds. But church, right now we have neighbors, co-workers, and friends who are hurting. They are alone and they have questions. They've been struggling during this quarantine with anxiety, financial struggles, and stress. They are questioning God. They are hungry for peace. They are hungry for fellowship. They are hungry for connection. And they have needs. I believe that we, as a church, have an opportunity to give these people the gospel like never before and be neighborly and meet their needs through biblical hospitality. People are ready for connection. I don't know if you've experienced it, but I know that my husband and I have. In fact, on Friday, it, will be five, it was five years that we moved into our house on the pond. We live on a house that surrounds a pond with 16 other houses. In the five years that we have lived there, I have never seen people greet one another and gather together and fellowship like they have in the last six weeks. People are waving to each other from their decks, yelling out to one another, gathering around the pond and taking long, lingering walks. People are hungry for connection. In this passage of scripture in Romans, Paul is telling us to love one another and practice hospitality. So what is biblical hospitality? Is it the kind of hospitality that my mom would demonstrate on Sunday nights? Well, to some degree, that's part of it. But biblical hospitality goes deeper. Biblical hospitality is rooted in love. In fact, the word hospitality comes from the Greek word philozenia. Philo is one of many words used in scripture for the word love, but it's actually the verb form, loving. It's action. Xenia, or xenos, stands for stranger, outsider, or this idea of a guest friendship. So if we look at philozenia, it simply means exercising or demonstrating love to a guest, an outsider, or a stranger. And the purpose of philozenia is to meet their needs. Now remember I said after this quarantine, people are going to be having many needs. There are people who have physical needs, relational needs, and spiritual needs. Some people have lost their jobs, their finances are depleted, and they're going to need assistance. Maybe you know of someone who needs their lawn mowed, or maybe their car fixed, and you have the ability as a mechanic to help them out. Some people are going to have relational needs. I've talked with several people who are actually slightly fearful when we do come back together because they have been focusing on the news and they've been dwelling in fear and they're a little standoffish towards people. And yet, their heart is so hungry for fellowship. And then there are people who have spiritual needs. 
they've really been questioning God. What is the meaning of life? And what role does God have to play in my life? Biblical hospitality gives us the opportunity to help meet those needs for those around us. Not just our friends, but the stranger, the outsider, and to have us meet the needs of guests who become friends. How do we do that? Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, in the message translation, it says, be inventive in hospitality. Be inventive. We just need to be creative. We need to be creative in the way we exercise and practice biblical hospitality. We have an opportunity as the church to extend biblical hospitality right where God has planted us. We can begin even now to extend biblical hospitality to our neighbors. We just need to do it six feet apart. There are so many different ways that we can do it. I'm sure that even now you're thinking of ways that you can extend hospitality to some of your neighbors. Maybe it's just going to be getting to know their names. How many neighbors do you really know by name? Maybe you refer to people as, oh, that family in the blue house or that family with the big white truck in their driveway. Now would be a great time to just get to know your neighbors' names. Be inventive in hospitality. By practicing biblical hospitality and meeting people's needs, we have the opportunity to live and give the gospel to those around us. That's exciting. So you may recall in Speak Life, I said something that triggered the way we speak life. I said our thoughts determine our feelings and our feelings determine our actions. So as those who are trying to practice biblical hospitality, how do we think about biblical hospitality? Well, perhaps we could think of it this way. God knocked on the door of my heart and I opened the door and he has changed my life. So now I want to open the door of my heart and maybe even in my home so that people can experience that same life-changing heart condition that Jesus did for me. That's all it is. Thinking that Jesus changed my life when I opened up my heart to him. So if I open up my heart to others, they can experience that same life-changing experience. But it starts with our thought life. We need to change the way we think about biblical hospitality so that we can begin to act it out. So who should practice biblical hospitality? Well, let's take a look at a passage of scripture in Matthew. A Pharisee came to Jesus and he said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus didn't respond to the Pharisee by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if you feel like it, Go ahead and love your neighbor. He said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. For believers, biblical hospitality is not optional. It is simply a natural byproduct of our love for Jesus. In other words, loving our neighbor should be a natural outflow of our love for God. In 1 John 4.19, it says, we love because he first loved us. 
I love the way it's written in the New Living Translation. It says, we love each other because he first loved us. The way we love God reveals how we love our neighbor. And how we love our neighbor really reveals how we love God. They go hand in hand. But I find it interesting that Paul tells us to practice hospitality. Why do we need to practice hospitality if our love for God reveals our love for our neighbor and so forth and so forth? It should be natural to us, right? Well, I believe that sometimes the enemy puts stumbling blocks in our way to prevent us from practicing biblical hospitality. You see, these stumbling blocks are subtle, and sometimes we don't even recognize that they are in our way. They trip us up, and we try to pick ourselves up and keep moving on with our busy, fast-paced lives, and we forget to see or notice the outsider, the stranger, or the guest that needs to be invited in. These three stumbling blocks today are just simple practical stumbling blocks. But if we are not mindful of them, they will trip us up and prevent us from practicing biblical hospitality. The first one is kind of an uncomfortable one. The first stumbling block is ourselves. It is self, me and you. We can be our biggest stumbling block to practicing biblical hospitality. Hospitality can make us feel vulnerable, inadequate, and even sometimes rejected. As a culture, we have blindly come into this mindset that it's all about me. So much so that two of the most popular phrases in our society are selfie and self-care. In the year 2013, the word selfie became so used in social media and print that the English Oxford Dictionary put it in the dictionary and made it the word of the year. We have become a self-centered society. It's subtle, but it's happened. The term self-care was actually coined in 1987 when the medical community was trying to get us to be mindful of taking care of our own health and exercising self-care. But 37 years later, in the year 2020, the term self-care has become more self-centered regarding meeting our mental and emotional needs. A spa day, dinner, girls' night out, that is kind of how we view self-care. It has nothing to do with our physical condition anymore. Oh, we have become so self-centered. We have to be very careful, even when it comes to hospitality, to not allow that self-centered view to come in and become me-focused. Because if we're not careful, we can say, come in and let me entertain you and let me showcase my giftings and what I have to give you. But biblical hospitality says, come in and let me showcase what Jesus has done for me so that he can do it for you. Do you see the difference? It's very subtle. But the enemy has come into our culture and made us so self-focused that we've lost our ability to turn things to Jesus. This stumbling block of self can sometimes sound like this. Oh, hospitality is not my gifting. Or, I'm an introvert. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8-10 through 10 says this. Above all else, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised. Again, it's about showcasing the Lord. May he be praised. But I love in this passage it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have been given. It doesn't matter if you have the gift of hospitality. Use whatever gift God has given you. I also love in this passage how Peter sneaks in there, if anyone speaks, they should do so as though they were speaking the words of God. You see, hospitality and speaking more life go hand in hand. We don't have to put out a fancy spread. All we have to do is speak more life by using the gifts that God has given us and meeting people's needs. The good news is biblical hospitality isn't about our giftings or our personality or our abilities. It's simply about availability. If God can use a little boy with two fish and five loaves of bread to host a dinner party for multitudes, then he can use us. And the great thing about our God is that he always supplies our need. He equips us to what he has called us to. Perhaps that's the way that we can overcome this stumbling block, is just remember that God has called us to it, so he will equip us. Another practical stumbling block that the enemy throws in our way can be our finances. We get it in our heads that hospitality is going to cost us. Maybe that's because we're bombarded with all these images from Pinterest that we have to have a fancy tablescape or have an expensive, elaborate meal. We think that our children have to behave like the Von Trapp family and our homes have to be decorated beautifully and very clean. Can I share with you a little secret that my mother-in-law shared with me years ago? She said, Tony Lee, stop dusting so often. As long as you don't write your name in the dust, no one's going to notice anyway. The fact is, we've all made the excuse that I can't afford to have people over. I live on a very tight budget. But the reality is, hospitality doesn't have to be expensive. In fact, all we need to do is keep it simple. I think keeping it simple is often best. I have learned over the years, instead of having all kinds of ingredients in my home and something ready for a quick last-minute invitation, is to simply keep a two-liter of root beer and a gallon of ice cream in my refrigerator. If I do that, I have the opportunity to, on a whim, invite someone over and develop that guest friendship by simply saying, hey, do you want to come on over tonight for a root beer float? It's so simple, but I cannot tell you the connections and the impact that Jesus has been able to make over a simple root beer float. In fact, real women, we've had many root beer floats at my home on the pond. That's where root beer floats on the pond came about. I love that God gives us the ability to be inventive and keep it simple. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. I don't think this passage of scripture is talking about a fancy, elaborate dinner party. I think it's about sowing generously with our attitude, with our heart, having a spirit of invitation. 
It is not about the size of our budget. It is about the size of our heart. I'm reminded that God always provides for his people. The Bible is full of stories of God providing in a spirit of hospitality. One story that comes to mind comes out of 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah was told to go to a city, and the Lord told him, you will find a woman at a well, and she will take you in. When Elijah went to the well, he did meet a woman who was there getting water so that she could make a loaf of bread for her and her son's last meal. In conversation with this woman, Elijah learned that she was getting ready to prepare this last meal because she did not have any provision afterwards. But she invited Elijah in, in a spirit of hospitality. And what happened? From that day on, God always provided flour and oil. It says she had an endless supply. In fact, later on in that passage of Scripture, it even says that God healed her son when he was on his deathbed. God always provides when we have a spirit of biblical hospitality. The enemy likes to convince us that our house isn't big enough. You can't have people over. Your house is so small. You live in a tiny little apartment. But the good news is this. The size of our home doesn't dictate the size of our hospitality. I remember years ago, we had a family over who had two beautiful daughters in our youth group. It was back in our Detroit days, and we lived in a tiny little bungalow on Harding Street. I remember we invited the Wheeler family over, and as I began to set the table, I thought, where are we going to fit everyone? We had a portable dishwasher that you would have to wheel two feet over the kitchen and plug into the faucet. And so I said to my husband, we're going to have to move this dishwasher. So we wheeled it out into the hallway. Things got a little awkward when someone had to use the restroom, so we ended up wheeling it into the living room. But we had such a great night of connection, and 26 years later, we still have a relationship with that family. The size of your home does not have to dictate the size of your hospitality. When it comes to biblical hospitality, think this, purpose over perfection. That has become a mantra in my life over the past few years that has really set me free. It actually could be an entire sermon series. Purpose over perfection. God doesn't care about how fancy or how expensive or how perfect your hospitality is. He cares that you are extending it. Are you starting to get the message? Our last stumbling block today actually was the catalyst for this message. As we were walking through the beginning stages of the isolation, stay-at-home order, I began thinking about how I use my time. The more conversations I had with people, I realized that people were experiencing the same feelings I was, that we were all beginning to evaluate how we spend our time. I believe that our culture has become such a fast-paced society that we again have been blinded to the stumbling block that the enemy has thrown in our path. But now we have an opportunity to really evaluate how we spend our time. I recognize that for some of you, once the virtual school picked up, life really began to pick up for you. And for some of you, you're working at home and you're trying to balance working at home and the constant snacks that your kids demand, as well as helping facilitate virtual learning. And life for you does not feel like it's slowed down, but it actually feels like it is sped up. Some of you, life has slowed down a little bit, but you are now working from home, 
but you find that you're not running around in the evenings. And so you're starting to have some time to really reflect, maybe do a puzzle, or visit with your neighbors. Some of you, life has come to a complete halt, and you've cleaned every closet twice, and you are really beginning to wonder, what am I going to do with my time? This quarantine has impacted all of us differently. But I think the one thing that we all have in common that the same, has been the same for each and every one of us is the decision we have as to how we are going to spend our time when the stay-at-home order is lifted. Are we going to jump back into the same crazy routine? When we get back to work and school picks up again in the fall, are we going to start to fill our calendars with travel soccer and activities and running here and there? What things have crowded our lives so much that we have missed the opportunity to exercise biblical hospitality to those in need. Are we going to jump back on the roller coaster of life? Church, I believe that we have been given a precious gift during this quarantine, a gift to be intentional. I recognize that being hospitable for some of us might require that we step outside of our comfort zones but I believe that nothing really good happens inside of our comfort zone. If we can avoid the stumbling block of self and step outside of that comfort zone and exercise and practice biblical hospitality, even if we don't feel like we are qualified, we can afford it, or we have the time, I believe that exercising biblical hospitality as the church can change our community, and change this world. And we can become world changers. If you know me at all, you know that I like to leave you with a little tangible something that constantly reminds you of the word of the Lord that God has given us. On Sunday, March 8th, when I gave you the message, Speak Life, at the close of the service, we passed out some lifesavers. Some of you took those lifesavers and you taped it on your dashboard as a reminder when you were driving to work to speak life to your coworkers, or a reminder to speak life to your family after a rough day at the office. Some of you sent me pictures of your lifesavers taped on your bathroom mirror or on your kitchen refrigerator. We all need a tangible reminder to speak life. So I began to think, what tangible reminder can I give you today when I'm not with you in person? I was reminded when I was a little girl, my grandma used to tell me stories of growing up and what life was like in the 1930s. I remember her telling me about going to the local dance hall as a teenage girl, and she would take her dance card. It was a book that had a fancy little cover, and on the inside, gentlemen who wanted to dance with her would write their name inside the dance card. It was their way of, way of being intentional and saying, before the night is over, I would like to have a dance with you. So this is our tangible gift today. I want you, when the message is over, to grab a piece of paper and write the word dance card on it. We're going to make our own dance cards. And even now, I want you to begin to pray what names you need to put in your dance card to be intentional about practicing biblical hospitality with. There may be some people in your neighborhood that when this is over, 
they're going to be desperate and hungry for connection and desperate for Jesus. And you will have the ability to connect with them. So write their name on the dance card and be intentional about connecting with them. Maybe there's a name that you can put on your dance card of someone who you met at church right before the stay-at-home order went in place. You noticed that they were coming into church and sitting in the back row all by themselves, and you have not been able to let go of their face or their name. Why don't you put their name on the dance card? And when we are able to come together as a church body again, grab them and say, hey, would you like to have dinner with me after church today or grab a cup of coffee this week? There are so many different names and experiences that we can put on our dance card to begin to exercise biblical hospitality. I know this may seem kind of silly, but it was the only way that I could help us kind of have something tangible to start getting our minds and our hearts ready for when this quarantine is lifted. I truly believe that we have been given a gift and God is speaking to us today and saying, let's use this time of preparation wisely. Let's acknowledge the stumbling blocks that the enemy has put in our way and push them aside and begin to practice biblical hospitality even now. As you have listened to this message today, maybe you don't regularly attend a church and maybe you don't regularly attend Saginaw First Assembly, but someone has invited you to listen in because it's Mother's Day or maybe because you are at home and you started to view a church online maybe Saginaw first. And you've been listening to this message today and you have kind of thought, I'm one of those people. I'm hungry for connection and I'm hungry for that gospel. I'm hungry for that Jesus that you've been talking about. I have felt lonely and I have questioned God and I need peace. I need my sins to be forgiven and I need to walk in right relationship with Jesus. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and pray with me for just a moment? And maybe you've been sitting there today and you've been listening to this message and you realize that you have tripped over some of those stumbling blocks. You've made some of those excuses. Oh, it's not my personality type or I'm an introvert or it's just not in my nature or I can't afford to be hospitable or I don't have the time, I'm busy. But today the Lord is challenging us to acknowledge those things, set them aside, and begin to notice the guest, the outsider, and the stranger, and practice biblical hospitality. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that you have given us through technology to meet together today as a body. Lord, I pray for those that are watching today that find themselves hungry, find themselves in a place where they need you in their lives. God, I pray that today they will simply pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you in my life. I acknowledge that I have not opened the door of my heart to you, but today I hear you knocking and I open the door to my heart and I want to respond. Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me of my sins, mend my broken heart, and offer me peace, joy, and the love that only you can give. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. And Lord, for those that need to pray today, I have stumbled over the stumbling blocks. I pray that today 
you will give them an excitement in their heart and they won't feel uh, pressured or nervous or anxiety about exercising biblical hospitality but for the first time they will begin to feel excited and God I pray that today families will sit down together and say how can we fill out our dance card who can we reach out to even in this time of quarantine and who can we reach out to and be his hand extended when the stay-at-home order is lifted God you have challenged us as a church to love where we live so that you can use us right where we have planted and you have challenged us to be the church so today God we respond we are ready thank you Jesus I love you church I pray that you've received this message for the spirit in which it was intended and I can't wait to see what God is going to do through Saginaw First Assembly in this valley as we believe God wants to take this valley for his kingdom. Happy Mother's Day and God bless. What an encouraging and challenging message for each and every one of us today. Thank you so much Tony Lee for sharing the word of the Lord with us and I just want you to know that we here at Saginaw First, we care about each and every one of you. If you have any needs, please give our church a call, leave us a message, or you can drop us a line at prayer at saginawfirst.church. We would be happy to get those requests and be praying for you and your family. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that you join us next Sunday as we launch a brand new series here at Saginaw First titled Better Than Normal. Until then, hopefully we'll see you Wednesday night for Storm Shelter and also next Sunday, another great time in the presence of the Lord. Be blessed. Have an awesome week.